0: It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so that you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. That's the goal, that's the mission. There are times, though, that I fail to deliver in your estimation. I either miss a point, give bad advice, whatever it is, where you feel I didn't do my job like you expect. And that's why at clark.com. We have Clark Stinks, where you can go and post to give me advice, give me guidance, so that I can serve you and your fellow listener better. And you go to the Clark Stinks message board, you post, other people can read it, they can comment on it, and once a week, our producer, Krista, goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights with you on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak You must think I'm pretty stupid You should
1: be ashamed of yourself Well, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong
0: Maybe you're right, pal So Krista, what are you starting with today?
2: Claims and cancellations. In respond to the podcast on April 23rd, I have worked with insurance carriers in the past that write package accounts only. This means they will write your business only if you have home and auto coverage with them. If your auto policy has too many claims and causes a non-renewal, this can also affect your ability to have homeowners insurance coverage with that carrier. It really does depend on how the specific insurance company has fi- Filed rates with the Department of Insurance in the state where they are doing business.
0: That is very well said. I, I wonder what I, what the poster felt I missed in response to that call. But uh, just so you know, insurance is not regulated on the federal level for auto and homeowners. It's regulated by each of the 50 states. And each established their own rules on how rates are set, the criteria that can be used, and when tying is allowed. Tying is what's called, what it's called when you must buy uh, auto to get homeowners or vice versa.
2: Another homeowners thing, homeowners insurance clue. The information provided regarding homeowners clue reports was not accurate. I've been an insurance agent for over 15 years in Illinois. Claims you turned in on your home policy follow you even when you move. Claims turned in by the former owner of your home do not affect your rate.
0: I appreciate that post, and you're an industry insider and expert. As it has been explained to me over the years in in my television work where we've interviewed people involved in the clue reports on homes and auto, is that auto follows the driver. The clue report on a house is for the home itself. Now, an insurer can choose to... uh, to use your past claims experience in setting your rates, but a home itself has its own clue report. So if I'm missing something, I need to know that, but that's my understanding about how it works.
2: Love the show, Clark, but I think the dollar store battery endorsement smells a little, ha-ha. While they may be serviceable for a remote or something not powerful, my fellow listeners should exert caution if they wish the batteries to perform for things that require real power, such as a flashlight or something with a motor, for example, a toy or wine opener, etc. The compared performance is terrible. You will notice there are different power classes on the Sunbeam batteries where you can buy one, two, or four all at the same price point. To get something to work properly, it requires the one battery per dollar deal. We started using Amazon, and they seem to perform at the same level as the big players. Anyways, thanks for all the help along the way, Clark. My fiancé and I are both debt-free now, in large part due to your advice, Nate.
0: Well, Nate, congratulations on being debt-free. The battery issue in terms of longevity and reliability has come up before as well, and I can rely on what Consumer Reports has said about batteries. And in terms of, let me see, they just did a report on AA batteries, and let's see how some of the off-brands did in this for alkalines. Rayovac, which is somewhat a discounter, got a great rating. Um, CVS's own private label got a great rating. Kirkland Signature was rated a Best Buy and was less than half the price of Duracell's batteries and let me see Amazon Basics did good not as well as the Kirkland Signature but I'm looking for the Sunbeam and they were not reviewed they were not rated so I can't speak to the quality and longevity of those.
2: Hello, Clark. Two comments about Costco. One, you stated that the Costco visa doesn't cost any money. I disagree. You can get membership without the visa card, and that is cheaper. Two Costco car buying deals. When we bought our new car two years ago, we first asked for the Costco price. However, we thought it was too high, so we told the salesperson to ignore the Costco deal and offered him a much lower price, which he agreed to. Clark, thanks for your service. You don't stink, but you need to be reprehended once in a while. Daniela. Daniela, thank you. And the Costco Visa card is a throw-in
0: with the membership. So if you're already a member... Then the card is free. If you wouldn't join Costco, otherwise, then you're paying either sixty or one hundred twenty. Obviously, that's not a free card. On the car buying program, with any car buying program, whether it's the True Car Program, the USAA Car Buying Program, the Costco, the Sam's Club, any car buying program, if you are a very good shopper and you are very strong, you don't allow any intimidation in a car dealer, you're very thorough. You can beat any of the car buying program prices by being a determined, good, thorough shopper. And the prices you get from the Costco program or any of the others, those are good prices lower than the average price in the marketplace. But it will not necessarily be the lowest price that a determined, thorough shopper will get.
2: Clark, you missed a huge red flag for the nice guy housing the friend getting out of rehab. A friend told me her horror story about opening her home to an acquaintance in a pinch, quote, until they got on their feet again without a written agreement. She had to resort to legal measures to have the person removed from her home. I know that 99 times out of 100, our friends will be appreciative of a safe place to sleep in an uncertain time. But that 100s can be a doozy. Please tell future callers to check on their state's laws about renters' rights for long-term occupants, even non-paying ones. This is especially relevant for a friend with a history of drug abuse and newly sober. Having expectations in writing signed by both is going to be helpful for both of them and could be invaluable to the nice young man if the worst happens. Lawyers and evictions through the courts can be very expensive, and like my friend, he could end up living with a hostile roommate as he goes through the legal process. Corrine.
0: Corrine, thank you for that. You know that was a very, very difficult call for me because we had someone who was being uh, who showed such a great heart to help someone who whose life was really messed up by drugs. And I didn't want to go too negative on that call. You pointed out quite quite thoroughly and uh, factually that once someone is in your home, even out of the kindness of your heart, In many states, it can be really hard to get that person out of your house. And so you have pointed that out, and I'm glad you did. In the context of that call, I didn't feel right going that direction.
2: Clark, like many here, I'm a big fan for the most part. But when you encourage callers to do unethical things, I find it, well, unethical. By the way, Clark, there were a few posts about this one. A caller asked if she should get divorced to obtain Social Security benefits for her husband. You glanced right over the part where she said he was self-employed, and this is why he had no Social Security benefits. He has no Social Security benefits because he did not pay taxes on his income. There is no other reason for him not to have benefits. Clark, you are self-employed, and you will have Social Security income. Why? Because you paid taxes on your income. So now you have a confirmed tax scufflaw asking if they should further game the system by filing for divorce to obtain benefits for him. I realize you were extremely kind to your callers. However, at some point you have to call a spade a spade. And this woman was a spade. It took a break from listening to you several years ago when you focused on the statute of limitations with several callers who had legitimate debts that they were trying to avoid by hiding behind the seven-year statute. It's all flat unethical. Please keep the show above board and ethical by having having courageous conversations with these people. Regardless, Jim and Charlotte, P.S. you are saying Hawaii correctly. The Hawaiian language pronounces every letter. (laughs) How many
0: posts are we going to have about Hawaii, or Hawaii. Um, anyway, um, I, I want to reiterate, there were many people who pointed out what you did that I should have said something about the fact that the person was not reporting income. Uh, and so that was a fail on my part. The other thing about statute of limitations, I respectfully disagree with you on. Under the law... When someone has a debt, the idea is that there's a point in their lives where they are supposed to get a fresh start, and the statute of limitations is for that purpose, and telling someone their rights to not have to pay on a debt they once incurred, I feel, is core to what I'm expected to do in my job.
2: And this was a huge Topic um, on Facebook and on Clark Stinks last week. The Aldi shopping cart hack story is shady at best. I was surprised to see a member of Team Clark suggest this hack. Will most hackers return the cart to the corral in order to keep the parking lot free of shopping cart, cutter, cart clutter? As stated in the article, it's easy to lose track of which cart is yours at the checkout. Please don't stick it next to the next person in line who ends up with your cart, which has no quarter in it. Come on, people. Is it that difficult to keep a quarter on hand in either your pocket, wallet, or car that you have to resort to this? Sista K.
0: Now, we had a very animated discussion internally about this. And it is my position.
2: So the story was, we took the story down, but the story was that there was a hack where you could, instead of... Yeah, let's a... not
0: tell people how you get the okay. cart without paying the quarter. Okay. We don't need to At encourage that. By the way, in Europe, you have to pay a twenty three to get your cart. You have to pay one full euro. And
2: you get it back. You're not you right, get I'm it paying, back. Yeah.
0: So the whole purpose of paying the quarter here, the twenty three in Europe, is that People's cars don't get dinged by carts, which is a huge problem at most shopping centers, supermarkets. And also, they don't have to have employees they're paying to go round up the carts. That Aldi shoppers are so thrifty that we want our quarter back. So you go and you put the quarter in, you get the cart. And so uh, I feel, as so many posters posted on Facebook and on our website... That we should not have encouraged people with a workaround to not pay their quarter. So I appreciate all your posts. You know what's really fun about Clark Stinks? I never know, Krista, where you're going with it. Mm -hmm. And the posts this week are, and so many of them were so different than what you had last week. So it's always fun to read. Tune in to win. You never know what you're going to hear on Clark Stinks. Jason joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jason. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Jason. You got a question for me about old, old 401ks. How many are there? That's right. I've got uh, three old 401ks, um, and the most recent one is, is almost five years old. Um, not counting my current company's 401k, of course. How much money do you have in these three old plans? Um, about 130000 No way, no way. So you're an incredible uh, saver.
3: I try. I feel like I could do a little bit better, but uh, I'm trying to... to Wait, wait,
0: wait. Give yourself some credit here. (laughs) You got in jettison former 401ks. You got $130,000 sitting there. Yes, sir. Wow, how can I help? So I'm I'm just wondering what the best option for those old 401ks is. Should I leave them where they are? Should I put them in our in an IRA, roll them into my current 401k? I'm not really sure. Does the normal plan? default choice is to roll them into your current 401k plan unless it's not a low-cost plan. So I believe my current plan is administered by my company. Um, they would have somebody who would administer for them in the 401k. It would be unusual that they wouldn't have a 401k administrator. Okay. And so they, uh, you'll know if it's a high-cost or low-cost plan by this, if they are reluctant to share with you and tell you where you can find chapter and verse on what they're charging you, you know you're in a high-cost plan. On the other hand, if they say, well, this is what we charge you for administration, this is what we charge you in investment costs, this is what you're paying total, and the total is less than one-half of 1% per year, that's the trigger. That's the threshold. If it's less okay. than one half percent per year, all in, you want to move your money from those three 401ks from old employers into your current employer's 401k. On the other hand, if they're not forthcoming, which tells you something you need to know, or it turns out it's substantially higher than that, move the money from all three to your own IRA. With one okay. of my favorite low cost companies okay, that I've got on my investment guide on clark.com. And one key rule the money cannot come to you. Right. right. Whoever you go, um, whoever you would go to talk to about moving it into your current employer's 401k, if it's not going to be that option, whoever you do the IRA mm-hmm. with, you want it handled what's known as trustee to trustee transfer, where it goes from your old plan to wherever you're going to put it next. Okay, perfect. Because if it comes to you under the tax code, they send you a check, withhold 20% Mm -hmm. of the money, and you're expected to make up that 20%, and if you don't, you get hit with massive tax and penalties on that 20% withheld. No thanks. Yeah, it's a really (laughs) dirty, rotten, scoundrel kind of thing that Congress did Uh, several years ago to meet budget numbers under congressional rules and so they thought hey if we rip people off on old 401ks we'll be able to close this budget issue and that's why they did it they did it to hurt you not to help you glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard show where you learn ways to keep more of what you make so When you are traveling, it's such a precious time for so many of us when you get to go somewhere either by car or by air. And the hotel industry has been going through a roll-up phase, consolidation phase, where a smaller and smaller number of mega chains dominate the industry. And now the world's largest hotel chain, is the combination Marriott-Starwood. But as far as big hotel chains, we used to have perhaps a couple of hundred different major hotel chains in the United States. By today's standards, you'd call them all pipsqueaks. And today there's perhaps a dozen. That's it. Around the world. And these big chains have multiple brands under their umbrellas. And I wanted to give you a sense of who seems to be doing the best job satisfying customers. And hotel chains, as a general rule, do a good job of satisfying customers better than most other service industries. The American Customer Satisfaction Index that uh, used to be part of the University of Michigan now allied with it some way does extremely in-depth research on the industries that it works on to see if they are serving you well. And of hotel chains, the one that got the highest rating of all is a hotel chain that used to be a second tier player. And that's Hilton. That the and when I say second tier, I didn't mean number of hotels and brands and all that. I meant the inconsistency in the brand and even though I'm sure you can find a lemon hotel in any brand overall Hilton seems to have gotten it together and that has been my experience both in the United States and overseas that I've been generally pleased with the Hilton properties I've stayed in. Marriott is not too far behind him in second place followed by Hyatt Best Western, Intercontinental, and then there aren't a lot of others out there. La Quinta, Choice, which is a variety of brands come under the Choice brand name, and Wyndham is the lowest ranked of the chains. But of the overall hotel market, there's one that is part of a larger parent, but gets the lowest rating of all in the survey, and that's Motel 6. Motel 6 gets a failing grade, a 65, which puts it down with some of the lower-ranked industries like cable and Internet providers. Or, in the case of the airline industry, some of the nation's airlines rank down with Motel 6. So I wanted to hit you with their latest survey data on the airlines, number one, using their data and their various surveys of airline quality that come out each year about this time of year. Southwest first, followed closely in a tie by Alaska and JetBlue. Now this is something that has been a consistent pattern in the American Customer Satisfaction Index that these three mid-price airlines are the ones that tend to dominate in overall customer satisfaction that people tend to like the experience better and are more comfortable with the overall price and service combination and the bottom of the heap are two of the hard discounters spirit came in last tied with frontier for dead last the two of them with abysmal customer satisfaction scores But you know who's right there with them in the thick of it? United. United got a miserably bad customer satisfaction score. Delta and American and Allegiant all tied in the middle of the pack. But for day in, day out, by this one set of survey data, the best action out there for you, overall experience, price everything, is Southwest JetBlue, Alaska. Robert is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Robert. Hello, Clark. How are you doing, bud? Great, thank you. You're thinking about doing something I did uh, last year or the year before, 23 me. Yes. So what are you intrigued about with it?
3: Well, I'm considering buying one of the uh, genetic mapping programs i've been listening hearing about on, on radio and so on advertising but i'd like to have information about my ancestry as well as other data that might be available
0: so ancestry ancestry is cheaper Correct. from any of the services from ancestry.com from yes. 23andme from gosh there's a couple other smaller ones i can't remember yeah, the names of right three, th- three or four or five yeah and those tend to Street price out retail usually is a hundred, but they yeah. tend to street price out on deals at like fifty nine, sixty nine, seventy nine dollars. Right in there, correct. Well,
3: I'm really interested, kind of the big picture, is the pro and con thoughts about doing ancestry work, but uh, ancestry mapping. But in particular, I'm wondering about the additional information that is available, such as as you dig deeper, the propensity for certain diseases that you might have based on genetic genetics, and I'm, I'm trying to understand do I just hang out and do just the basic stuff about where I come from, what part of the world, or do I go deeper and say, hmm, your ancestors give you a propensity for so-and-so disease as you get older. What are your thoughts?
0: Well, so it's all based on how you handle potential bad news in your head. Sure. So the Ancestry stuff's really fun you get connected to a lot of people you didn't know you might be related to and for my tv work i tested two of them and i tested ancestry.com and 23andme yes on the side of seeing my ancestral history they were virtually identical okay and there was there was slight variations in each of them is where they thought I was from and all that and where my relatives were from, but minimal. And so I was very impressed to see the consistency with the two of them. Okay. Now, I have gone a step further, and with 23 of me, I've done the full DNA testing, okay. and I've had to make the decision each time they have a new DNA report on me if I'm comfortable with knowing the information. And I don't have any problem, I don't freak out or psych myself out having the information. And I just got a new report, it's funny you're asking me about this, because I got a new report last week that went through like three layers of warnings before it would let me see the results. (laughs) Okay. Because they just don't want people um, ending up uh, accepting that an enhanced risk does not mean you're going to have whatever it is that would sound terrible.
3: Sure, sure.
0: As an example, last year I got a report from 23andMe that took me through all the warnings, and it said that I have a 51% chance of having Alzheimer's by the time I'm 85 years old. Uh-huh. And a lot of people would not want to know that. For me, i am like, okay, good to know. <laughs> and, uh, and so... I'm fine with knowing. Other people would be like, I don't want to know that. So you have to make that call for yourself.
3: Yeah, To me, that gets me in gear to, to move faster and do things more than, uh, than I on.
0: So you're looking at it as a positive way. I love that. Um, I I had a result last week, the one I that I was talking about that I got last week, that was using a certain genetic marker that would show an increased risk of certain cancers and I made the choice I wanted to see that too turned out I didn't have any of the genes that they were worried about and instead of having an enhanced risk of any of those cancers that the gene would show it meant I didn't have an enhanced risk to those so as long as you are comfortable and sounds like you completely are Robert go for it the one other issue is the privacy of this information and how it might be used against any of us someday, and that I'm not qualified to speak on. Rita is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Rita. Hi. How are you doing? Great, thank you. Rita, you were in a car wreck, huh?
1: Oh, yes, I was, about three years ago.
0: Are are Um, you okay?
1: Oh, yeah. We just switched drivers. We were driving up north to Kansas, and my daughter... Was, on, uh, was driving, actually, and it just started to ice up so fast like it can. We hit a new bridge and just went into spin. So no fault, but, uh, you know, got, uh, went in the ambulances to the hospital, the local hospital up there, a little hospital out in rural Kansas, and was checked out, and they did a really good job, and everything came up negative.
0: Well, thank goodness for for that, right?
1: So we were very lucky we did not end up in the Neosho River and everything, and it did very well.
0: (laughs) Say that river again. Neosho. I'm not familiar with that river.
1: It's a little river in Kansas. (laughs)
0: Okay. Well, I'm glad you didn't go swimming in it.
1: Yeah, because it was pretty cold. Right. But I thought everything was okay. Insurance was paying for everything. But one bill. uh Oh. Yeah, I think that they quoted it incorrectly when they submitted it to the insurance company because they declined to pay. They said it's, it doesn't. Uh, diagnosis does not match. Well, it's it not paid, and
0: since so, we, how's this come up was, three years later?
1: My husband checked my credit report.
0: Oh, and there's a collection there was, from the from the doctor or right. hospital. Right.
1: There was t- two, actually two things that were very disturbing on it. Okay. One was that there was a collection from, uh, it was actually the the radiologist that read the report was denied payment. Okay. Because, and uh, like I said, I think he coded the their office coded it incorrectly. And at the time I got a bill and I called the insurance company and I felt like everything was covered and okay.
0: But it didn't. But it and wasn't. you said, what was the other one?
1: No, there was two problems with my credit report.
0: Oh, okay. And was the other problem also related to this accident? No. All right. Let's talk about the medical. So okay. this happens all the time, where uh-huh. someone will be billed by someone they don't even, you don't even know who the radiologist is that they reads your stuff. They were in
1: a totally different town.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, And a lot of times they do that right over the Internet, and it could even be in a foreign country that radiology is read. When a bill like this happens that I call a UFO bill, the rules have changed. And now, if you can get the insurance company and the radiology practice together and get that bill paid through insurance, then the Uh item is removed from your credit as if it was never there.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: So that's so how, how only with medical back? bills. Okay. Uh huh. So you need to contact the radiology practice itself, get them okay. together with your insurer, and it was the auto insurer that handled this, right? Yes. Yeah. Get that bill taken care of, bam, it's invisible now and will not affect okay. your credit in any way from that point forward.
1: Okay.
0: Now, what about the other item you said?
1: Well, the other item was very is still very disturbing. Um, we locked down my our credit, my credit and my husband's credit under your suggestion, but we had to open it up to in order to get a high speed internet. And during that time, somebody stole my identity, oh. and they had actually got a ten thousand dollar loan approved. And fortunately, the loan company down in Florida called our home number, and when they told me the check was ready for me to pick up, I said, whoa, 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 I didn't ask for a loan. And the the, the man was very nice, and he goes, I thought your credit score was too high.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> so, so why is that a negative mark on your credit?
1: Well, I think what resulted from that, what happened, this is only on Equifax. We got all three reports, but on my Equifax, we, we shut down that loan, but on my Equifax, there was two bogus addresses that I've never lived at.
0: That's easy to correct with Equifax.
1: Okay. So if you... Just you send the paperwork it, in?
0: Yeah, so you send in the paperwork to them, say these are not my valid addresses and see if you can get those addresses purged from your report. That will not by itself harm you because you have your credit frozen, but it is disturbing to know that a criminal was impersonating you and was using another address as your address, and then suddenly it's reported on your report as if it is your address. Thank goodness they made that call to you, and that didn't become a hassle. But the medical bill... That's the one you got to be all over. And the best news of all, you know what the best news of all is, Rita? What? Neither you nor your daughter suffered any meaningful injuries from that accident that could have been so tragic. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. And producer Joel asks it for you. Yeah, Clark, Joel. Brett's got a question. He says, could you please explain on the show what happens when a 529 plan is not used for college? So, when a 529 is not used for college and you liquidate it, you have to pay tax on all the earnings that the plan would have over the years it was in place that would have been tax-free and pay a 10% federal penalty on top. The plans are set up to be very beneficial if used for college and very punishing if not used for college. But you do have an alternative if the person who the 529 plan was originally for as beneficiary, doesn't go to college, you can use the money for another eligible family member. Doesn't even have to be a close relative, even yourself, if you decide to go back to school, and then the accounts remain fully tax-free. You just simply do a change of beneficiary designation with the 529 plan sponsor you're with. All right. And John wants to know what do you know about this new cell phone company called Mint Sim? Is it worth giving a try? So Mint Sim is really inexpensive if you buy your cell phone service a year at a time. The risk you'd have is if they didn't hang around. But for 15 bucks a month, a year paid in advance, you get unlimited talk and text and two gigs of data a month, which is kind of at the low end for data now. For 20 a month, you get 5 gigs of data a month, which covers what most people would use in a month. And so that is a deal, and if you use tons of data, it gets to a point where it's still a deal, 25 a month for 10 gigs plus the unlimited talk and text. But think about the fact you're paying all the money for the year up front. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show I appreciate you spending part of your day with us here on The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that if you need consumer advice, we're here to serve you off-air for free, nine hours a day. If you go to Clark.com and go down the home screen, you'll see a section, Consumer Help and Tools. Click on Consumer Action Center and you can get that free off-the-air advice.